Hi, this is Tina Powell, host of In The Suite, where I sit down with top women leaders and some of the biggest names in the financial services and the wealth management industry. Together, we'll discover some of their best secrets and top strategies to grow a great business, build a strong brand, and lead teams in the 21st century. I hope you'll enjoy hearing their amazing personal stories of triumph, trepidation, and transformation in hopes of becoming better leaders ourselves. The time for you to lead is now, and you're in the suite. Meet Megan Carpenter, CEO and co-founder of FICOM Partners, an award-winning agency for REA firms and financial advisors. Recognized as a top four industry disruptor in 2020 by wealthmanagement.com, FICOM Services allows advisors to lead with authenticity, target their focus, and drive to commercial success. Recently named to the Investment News 40 Under 40 list, Meg's expertise spans over 15 years of helping RAAs and firms and advisors connect, communicate, and engage effectively with their target audiences. Her passion to promote the industry is demonstrated through her involvement with the CFP Board for Financial Planning Workforce Development Advisory Group. Meg is also part of the Pledge 1% Global Movement, helping pledged 1% of equity profits, time, and product to nonprofits in the wealth management community. Current recipients of her pledge are the CFP Board, Center for Financial Planning, Foundation for Financial Planning, and the Impact Forum. A regular blogger and spokesperson in media and topics related to financial services, marketing, and communications, Meg is also a sought-after speaker at a wide range of industry events, including, drumroll here, Schwab Impact, Pershing Insight, Bob Veris's Insiders Forum, Echelon Partners Deals and Dealmaker Summit, Riskalyze Fearless Investing Summit, Investment News Best Practices Workshop, and Top Advisory Firm Summit, Invest, FPA NorCal, Market Council Summit, and the CFA Institute. In addition, she is co-host of the New School Podcast, a along with the great Kansas Carlton. Meg graduated from the University of Southern California with a BS in business administration with an emphasis on global management. She sits on the advisory board of Absolute Engagement, a client engagement business, and on the board directors for the LA chapter of Entrepreneurs Organization. Meg is a proud supporter of USC Alumni Association, the USC Marshall School of Business Scholarship Fund, and the American Red Cross. In fact, one of the many gifts you'll discover about Meg in this episode is her own leadership and strategic frameworks for advisor success and how they've positively impact the evolution of the entire wealth management industry. As an entrepreneur, respected thought leader, and passionate advocate for REAs and financial advisors, she's also a wife, a mother of two, soon to be three, who proves that authentic communication is always a winning strategy in the suite. Hello, Meg. Hi. Take a seat in the suite. It is so great to see you here today. Wow. Finally, finally, we're here. I can't believe it. It's so great to see your face. How are you doing today? Thank you, Tina, so much for having me here. I've been looking forward to this since you emailed me about it because I have admired you and respected you and considered you a friend in the industry for so long. So I'm pumped to be here 
We're recording this on a Friday. Friday's a good day. I'm doing great. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing great. I apologize if you hear a little bit of cement trucks and we just moved here to Pennsylvania. And so they're still doing some work in our development. So I'm like, I'm looking outside. Uh, it's a sunny day. I have a horseback riding lesson later today that I'm looking forward to. I'm just happy to see you because I feel like we haven't seen each other in person since last, uh, was it last year? Maybe at, at probably uh, September of 2019 at the Wealthies. Yes, exactly. Exactly. That and, and a right? party. <laughs> exactly. And that year, like 2019, like we saw each other at the Wealthies and then we saw each other Much. at Visualize. We had the, the opportunity. I had the, the, the privilege and honor of being on your panel, Megan. That was really a lot of fun. But geez, I miss seeing you in person. I know. I miss you. I miss seeing you. I miss seeing all of our friends in the industry. And we'll talk about this a little bit later. I don't actually miss travel all that much, (laughs) but I do miss seeing people. It's crazy. Things are actually coming back online. And I think the attitude some of these conference organizers is we recognize that it's going to be smaller. We recognize that it's going to be different, but we're just going to do something. Like we're just going to get back out there and, you know, create these opportunities for people to get together which is really exciting. Yeah. It's going to be very interesting to see how it plays out, what the level of attendance is going to be at different conferences. And I just feel like, wow, when we see each other for the first time, we're going to be screaming, crying. Like it's going to feel like a reunion. I know. know. It's so exciting. I had to share the story fast, but one of my colleagues who lives in Omaha, we hired her last year from TD Ameritrade. And so we hired her in August and I had never met her, even though I work with her all the time. So she flew out to Orange County to be with Candace and I for a week. And it was the best thing. I mean, it was just like to give her a hug for the first time to be in the same room as her to like be brainstorming together. It really is joyous, you know? Oh yeah. It's so great. And, and you and FICOM are doing so many exciting things right now. And I really think that it's the time to have a discussion around marketing, PR, video strategy, podcasting, and not only that, to hear your origin story, because I don't know that a lot of people can appreciate how long that you've been in this industry. And I think that this conversation is worthy of this environment right now, as advisors learned a lot during the pandemic that, hey, I need to double down and triple down on my strategy. But just because things are going in person doesn't mean that I think, and probably you too, should take their foot off the gas. Right. Absolutely not. No. I mean, I think digital is here to stay. I think that is one of the it's hard to talk about like the the great things that happened in COVID, right? Because it was such a devastating experience around the world. And also I am, I feel like I'm very similar to you. And like, I just bring a positive attitude to everything that I do. I get your positivity. It's infectious and in sort of how you show up. And so I think if we want to look at positive outcomes of the last 12 months, I think for our industry, sort of just the harsh realization that being virtual and connecting with people digitally is a, it's not hard to do, right? It's totally doable. And B it's really necessary in the way that people want to connect today. I do think that that was a positive benefit of this global pandemic. So it is a really important time to be talking about it. 
Yeah. And I want to encourage advisors to still stick with it. Just because we have added this in-person component, I think the communication is now, it's a hybrid model. You can't double down on one thing or another. You've got to do a lot, a lot of things. And at FICOM Partners, you are co-founder, you're CEO, and you have been working now with the financial services industry, helping them to communicate their financial advice and that you have seven specialties. You're very strategic communications firm. Again, you were my PR choice way back when. Wow, that was that was in what year? 2000. When did we work together with She Capital? Uh, anyway, I've always been so, so impressed by you, Meg. And I wanted for those, maybe the one or two people who don't know who FICOM Partners is, could you just explain your business and what you're doing to help advisors? Thank you. There are so many wonderful people out there in this industry who I haven't had the opportunity to meet. So this platform is really an honor for me to be able to connect with more people. And I'll try to be quick. So FICOM is a communication agency. Thank you for that generous introduction. And we work exclusively within the wealth management and financial advice space. We have since we launched the business in 2012. We're super passionate about anything related to financial advice. So our mission at FICOM is to extend the impact of the financial advice that advisors provide to their clients by really helping financial advisors, advisory businesses, and service providers to this community to experience like really exciting change in their business through what we call new school marketing and PR. So we are very strategic. Thank you for pointing that out. Everything that we do has strategy behind it because we believe that no matter you know what type of business you are, whether you're a very small business to a very large business, everything you're doing today must be driving to a tangible commercial outcome. So everything that we do is we either teach advisors how to create marketing and PR strategy, or we actually do the strategy on behalf of our clients and then can execute against the strategy. And that really cuts across everything from brand content, digital, social media, through public relations. Essentially, we are a growth communications firm. We help our businesses to grow by connecting with people. And our commitment to this space is really sincere. I know you wanted to talk a little bit about my origin story, but I've been doing this my entire career. And I love working with financial advisors and seeing the impact that we can have on their business. And so it really, we represent some of the biggest and best names that are, you know, household names in this industry. And we also represent some advisors who are so passionate and so eager and people outside of their community probably haven't heard of them, but they don't care because it's all about making connections with the right people. And so it's such a privilege for me to be doing what I do every day. It brings me a lot of fulfillment. Hmm. What attracted you to the financial services industry? Someone like you, let's face it, marketers are in high demand. Every single industry that you're in needs great marketing, PR, strategy, communications. What was it that in financial services that really attracted you to the industry? Money. (laughs) <laughs> but maybe not in the way that it would sound. So I got, I've been in this industry since 2002. I was a junior in college at the University of Southern California Ooh. and yeah, fight on Trojans. And um, I got back from a summer. I did a fellowship program in Hong Kong when I was 20. And I got back right at the beginning of my junior year. 
And I've worked since I was 15, like um, responsibility, accountability, earning an income has always been something that my parents like really distilled in us from a young age. And so I got back from this um, fellowship in Hong Kong and I didn't have an internship. And so I just asked my sorority sisters, I said, hey, does anybody know of a paid internship? I literally, Tina would have done anything as long as it was paid. Like that was my one single criteria is that it was paid and that they would be interested in hiring me. So it was um, very serendipitous and meant to be. And one of my sorority sisters said, Hey, there's a marketing internship available at John Hancock financial network down in orange County. And do you want to talk to them? And I said, sign me up. So there was no planning. There was no candidly interest in financial services. I knew nothing about the industry. I had no idea what I was doing. It was just that they were going to pay me. So this is like a commercial for interns because I am now, that's almost 20 years later. I graduated in 04. So I've been working full-time in this industry for 17, 18 years because of an internship. That is unbelievable. So now you're the CEO that hires interns. And I was just having this discussion with Shannon Spotswood of RFG Advisory and saying that how a lot of the interns in financial services to see this like development, to see this aha moment when they start learning about finance and do you know the nomenclature in, in our industry and not actually having even a, a knowledge about finance, but really truly understanding, just having that willingness to learn? It's incredible. It's such an honor for me to be able to hire interns. We have a wonderful internship program. We also created a fellowship program a few years ago for recent college grads because we learned that there, we've all been there. We all remember what it was like to graduate from college and feel really excited, but also really lost and figuring out like how to pay your bills for the first time how to do your laundry, you know, how to like sign a lease agreement. And so we have a fellowship program that like really provides a wonderful entry path for recent grads. And it's such a privilege for me. And I get so excited when I have the opportunity to meet new interns that come on. We usually have two or three sort of in each program at any given time. And so, yeah, it's tremendous. And I think what people should understand is that the opportunities in our industry are so vast. And so even if it's that if an intern might not have an interest in becoming a financial advisor per se, there's so many paths. There's so many routes. There's operations tracks. There's marketing tracks. There's investment management, you know, research analysts, client service associates. So you as an advisor, as a business owner, as an entrepreneur can give these young next generation professionals so many opportunities to really expand their skill set. And these young people, they're so eager. They're so excited. They're so hungry. And I learn like a hundred times more from our interns than they learn from me because they're like this next generation that are doing things differently, communicating differently. They think differently. They view the, they have very different worldviews. And so it's just, it's a, it's like a fulfilling thing from every fulfilling relationship from every angle. Yeah, these whole the way that they think, I love it that it has that it has a, a an effect on us that even just to be in the room and it's a totally different model. So I you you and I both embrace it. And a lot of this deals with change and transformation and the uh, adoption of of new media. And I, I want to talk about the podcast because a lot of advisors right now 
are back to where they were when we had websites, when we had blogs, when we had social media. And Meg, they're scratching their head and they're going like this. Yeah, like this podcast. Do I really need this podcast? So I wanted you to talk about your podcast, The New School. Thank you. Yeah. So we launched the New School podcast last September. It's New School with a K. So S-K-O-O-L. And I have to give a huge shout out to my colleague, Candice Carlton, because she um, she leads our advisor education. So she runs all of our growth marketing workshops for advisors, which include, in addition to sort of like our core growth marketing workshop, she also has a video workshop and a podcasting workshop. And she concepted the new school. And together we were sort of thinking about, you know, what change are we trying to create in this community and how can we affect that change through our marketing efforts and our PR efforts? And we're big believers in new school marketing medium like audio, like video. Podcasting is an audio medium. And so we really, what we've observed in growing up as females in the space, Candace worked at Mercer Advisors before working at United Capital alongside Joe Duran, where she launched their digital network. She um, helped XY Planning Network launch their growth marketing workshops. So she knows this industry as well as I do, or maybe even better. And, and what we realized was like as females growing up in this space and also looking at the opportunities to help advisors connect is that our world is still really old school. We're still showing up in an old school way. We're thinking about our marketing and PR in an old school way. And it's this sort of like very top down, buttoned up, overly professional, like jargon heavy sea of sameness approach. And so we think that the new school of communication, the new school business mindset is about evolving the financial services industry to be much more human, uh, to lead with vulnerability, to lead with authenticity. And the New School podcast is one of the things I'm the most proud of. I mean, the guests that we have and the conversations that we're having, we're very focused and disciplined. We have a doctrine around the New School. We apply it to every podcast guest that we um, you know, think about bringing on. And we're having just a really rich, meaningful conversations. And we're able to highlight some new names and some new faces in this space. And we've also been bringing outsiders in. So that's wonderful. And it's been a great opportunity. We're continuing to do it. And then to your second point around podcasting for advisors, because I agree with you, and I know that you and I have such aligned and synergistic philosophies around advisor marketing. And from my perspective, when I'm speaking with advisors and talking about podcasts, and thinking about how can I encourage them to consider, like just even to consider. I usually take a step back and, I, and we think about content because you and I both know that really great marketing, whether it's digital, social, traditional, working with the media um, through some public relations strategies, it's all about the content that you're bringing to your viewer, to your listener, to your audience. And creating content is perceived as very difficult. And it can be very difficult if you sort of take an old school approach. Advisors think I have to sit down in front of my computer and have to type, I have to write a newsletter, I have to write market commentary, I have to write a blog, and I don't have time for that. And so then if you equate the content sort of conundrum to podcasts, podcasts are really just a Trojan horse for content. It, and, and I've experienced this in my own business. So I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a business owner. I'm strapped for time like everybody is because I have a lot of really amazing responsibilities and that I'm committed to both inside the business and externally. And so I don't have a lot of time to write or to be creating content from scratch. So with our podcast, with the New School Podcast, I commit to 
essentially two, maybe two and a half hours. If you add in the prep, um, hours a month total to my, to the podcast. And that gives my team endless amounts of content, more content that they could ever use, that they can turn into blogs, that they can turn into articles for the media, that they can turn into audiograms, that they can put on YouTube, that they can turn into video clips that we can use for paid promotion on social. But I don't have to show up a hundred times a month. I show up twice for two interviews and I create all of the content. And so I think that that's where the power lies. And it's not about becoming famous by hosting a podcast. Like we're not all trying to be Guy Raz from, you know, how I built this or Tim Ferriss. Like if that is your goal, then that's your goal. And, you know, anyone, we could all help you to do that. But if your goal is really just to modernize your marketing efforts, to connect more meaningfully, to show up where people are and to create really good content, then you don't need to worry about the downloads and the subscriptions. You just have to worry about creating really great content And if you create really great content and know how to distribute it, it will get in the hands of the right people and it will affect the change that you're looking to affect. Absolutely. That was so brilliantly articulated. Another thing I want to add to that is that this is what we hear over here with the podcasting. We literally have advisors talking themselves out of doing a podcast before they even get started. And here's how it goes. Oh my God, this person has a podcast and that person has a podcast. And I don't know, you know, are there too many podcasts out there, right? That's where now they're starting because it is the growth of podcasting has, has accelerated. And this is our, this is our advice to to advisors is that we literally, we say that we, you know, if you were starting your business today and you looked around the internet, for example, and you saw that every other advisor had a website, would you sit down and say, gosh, every other advisor has a website. I don't think this website's for me. There's too many of them out there. So then I say, it's the same thing with podcasting. Stop talking yourself out of it. You haven't even experienced, you haven't even like recorded your first one. You don't even understand it yet. And yet you're talking yourself out of something that could be so beneficial for your business because uh, you're looking at the saturation of it. That's such a good example. I love that, Tina, because it's true. You know, of course, everyone has a website and it's going to be the same way in a few years. Of course, everyone has a podcast. And also things are moving a lot faster. So we're already looking. um, Samantha Allen on my team is our head of digital and she's already working. I'm learning from her about sort of this like no click SEO, Mm -hmm. which is where people are not even clicking on search engines anymore because they're getting exactly what they need in the search results, but they're not clicking. So like that's another trend that's happening. Audio, like what we are, what we're experiencing with Alexa and Siri and how people are connecting through that medium. So like, podcasting is here and it's a tremendous opportunity. And it's like you said, everyone has a website. It's okay that everybody has a podcast. It's just about how you use it and and why you're using it. And so this, I know we're recording this a few weeks before it's going to air. And in the interim, from when we record this podcast, Tina, to when it airs, you and I will have participated in the FICOM Partners and Investment News Advisor Podcast Awards. We're so happy that you are a judge. I could like when we concepted the awards program, we started thinking about judges and I was like, Tina, 
Tina Powell, Tina Powell. <laughs> um, so I'm so happy that you're in that program with us, but what we want to do with the Viacom Investment News Advisor Podcast Awards is really shine a spotlight on the advisors that are leading the charge with podcasting and that are bringing really meaningful conversations to their communities. So we're going to be bringing some winners from these Advisor Podcast Awards. um, And those winners get some really cool prizes, including a seat in our FICOM Partners Advisor Podcast Workshop, which is basically concept to launch a podcast in 30 days with a very strategic framework and the ability to allow advisors to do it on their own. And so I think that like we're that to me is a really exciting opportunity that investment news was so committed to it meant to me that there's some sincere interest here. And I hope that together with the advisor podcast awards, it will just be, we'll see Tina, like the beginning of what will be greater momentum around podcasting as a marketing tool for advisors. Mm, Well, kudos to you, Candice, FICOM, investment news again, The key takeaway here, everyone, is that all of these mechanisms help advisors reach the people who need it. Before I came into this industry as a second career, I was one of those people. And I needed to get nobody that the message didn't come through to me until I went out and I searched for it. And now we have the luxury of being alive in 2021 with all of these mechanisms and these channels and and being able to execute. And we had a couple of our clients, several clients, as a matter of fact, take your video workshop, unbeknownst to you. And, you know, I would say if you're even just thinking, and again, this is not a commercial, I'm not getting paid, Megan and I don't have any kind of agreement and stuff. I want you to play with your A game and so does Meg here. And so even if you're thinking that it's something that might interest you, even if there's just a 15 or 20% interest, take a course so that you understand the medium. If you're not using it, your competition is and you really need to understand it. Financial advisors are smart, savvy business people. You guys are lifelong learners, right? You, you, you have a mandate of CE credits. Get into some marketing courses and start to really understand the lay of the land. Yeah, thank you for saying that. I think it is so important to learn. I think that with our advisor education, that's what we wanted. We sort of wanted to fill a gap where we feel as though there's a tremendous opportunity for really great marketing PR, education for advisors to help advisors sort of see clearly and make their own decisions. There's some phenomenal influencers like yourself in this space. I'm, you know, I have the privilege of speaking and writing articles and and all of these things. And so advisors hear us and they listen. And I think advisors are great listeners and absorbing things, so much information But what's really important is to recognize that just because you're listening to Tina and I talk about podcasting right now and talk about video, it doesn't mean that you have to do it. But to your point, Tina, you need to know about it. You need to understand how to make the decision as to whether or not podcasting, whether or not video is right for your business. You and I are super passionate about this. So of course, we're going to encourage everybody because not only have we seen it work for advisors, but we've seen it work for our own businesses, by the way. So we're really passionate about it. But the truth is, is that, you know, um, Eric Clark from Orion Advisor Services is the first person that I ever heard say this many, many years ago. And I don't know if he came up with it or somebody else did, but he said, you know, if you've met one advisor, 
you've met one advisor. And it's true because every financial advisor is what I love about this space. You have your own why, your own passion for why you do what you do. You have your own demographic and psychographic of client that you serve. You have the own, your own change that you're trying to create in your own business. And the truth is that cannot be replicated by anybody. No competitor can take that from you because it's you. There's only one you. And so that extends to how you make marketing and PR decisions as well. And so I think the learning opportunity here and what we're trying to do through advisor education is to teach. Teaching, We teach strategic frameworks so that you as an advisor can come in, go through the strategic framework. The strategic frameworks are meant to be like very repeatable within your business. You can actually apply them against most many business decisions that you make, but we want to give advisors like the discipline and the frameworks to be able to make the right decision. And so what you can do by taking a course, by learning, reading, and listening is you can then understand, okay, well, this will work for my business because of these reasons, or this isn't going to work for my business right now. And I think that there's, we, we believe very much in like learning from peers and learning from other advisors. That's really important. Getting feedback is really important. Getting coaching. And also you have to be the one making the decision for your business. And so just because somebody down the street is doing paid Facebook ads and it's driving a ton of traffic to their website and it's a really high conversion ratio it doesn't mean that it will necessarily work for you. Mm. And so that's something that I'm really passionate about is helping advisors to make these decisions for themselves. I'm not going to sit here and tell you what to do, but I want to help you figure out how you can make that decision on your own and how you can learn how to run experiments and test, learn, iterate. That's what marketing is all about. It's basically one big experiment. But I think that this, in this moment in time, what gets me the most like pumped up is that advisors are really open and receptive to wanting to make those decisions in their business. And that is like a huge change from when I got started back in almost 20 years ago. Yeah. Do you think the pandemic had something to do with it? I do. Absolutely. Like we were saying up at the top, I think the fact that we were just forced and I was forced to do a lot of things that I never dreamt of during the pandemic. And I think for advisors being forced to do video meetings with clients being forced to connect with people in a virtual environment, being forced to figure out how to meet new people without physically meeting no pe- new people. It's such a relationship-based business. Most advisors are very good at what they do because they're great at developing relationships within their communities and they have a technical expertise. And when you're not out in the community, you're not at events, you're not walking around town going to the coffee shop, taking your kids to school, like playing around to golf, you're not having the chance to connect with people. And so I think that the pandemic absolutely forced the digital, but to your point, also just sort of the strategic mindset. And then I also think non-related to the pandemic, just what we've seen in the trends in the industry that most advisors growth over the last decade is market driven. And that if you look at like net new asset growth and net new client growth, that's on the decline. We also have a percentage of referrals is declining. We have an aging advisor population. So there's also a lot of like macro trends beyond the pandemic that I think last year, the pandemic just sort of like gave it that little kick that it needed to be like, Oh, Marketing is really actually quite important for this next chapter of my business. And I got to figure out what to do. 
Yeah, and it feeds into some of the key themes like you were talking about, the aging advisor, M&A. Who wants to do business with a brand that's shrinking and silent? I think another way that you're helping to open up a lot of these key themes and make them accessible to advisors is through now your new column on wealthmanagement.com. And I want to talk a little bit about your recent column because there's a new term called newsjacking that, again, you know, following Meg as a, as a thought leader, how long does it take to read an article? It could take three to five minutes to read an article or in, you know, now you can listen to, to podcasts in addition to that to help kind of broaden out your, your world and your understanding of, of marketing so that you can go back to your department and say, Hey, I heard this thing about newsjacking. Are we doing that? Yeah. I mean, so what I'm trying to do with the wealthmanagement.com column is to really just like demystify some of these marketing concepts, PR concepts, branding concepts that we talk about a lot in the industry and, and, and we leverage, but that advisors need to know more information about. And so we're giving like a very straightforward black and white, like no opinions, just the facts. Like, why is it a trend? What is it? And if you're interested in learning more, like what are some key considerations? So newsjacking was the first one. Um, the second one is about why, in our belief, like Google rankings and the way that people traditionally think about it, like don't actually matter. So we're trying to just sort of like demystify some of these concepts. But newsjacking is really about taking a concept that's being heavily talked about in the news. So the, the, like the most recent example that comes to mind is everything that happened with GameStop. And yeah. that, that craze, right? And so everyone's talking about it. The media outlets are writing about it and sort of just like um, jacking the topic and using it to create momentum for yourself. So it's about sort of like hooking into in an opportunistic way, something that is really popular in the national sort of like and global mindset at the moment, and then inserting your own opinion, your own perspective, your own thought leadership. And there's a lot of do's and don'ts that are covered in the article. And and one of the don'ts is if you don't have something interesting to say, then don't say anything because then you're just adding to the noise. But as an advisor, what we love about this is we hear often like, I read this article, you know, in Forbes or in the journal or in the times. And I think that the reporter got it all wrong. And here's why. And every time I hear an advisor say something like that, I'm like, yes. Let's create some content because you're passionate about it. And it's a topic that if it makes it to a front page, if it's in the paper, that means that there are enough readers out there who are interested in it to have made it to sort of to have elevated to that level. So take that momentum and run with it, but add in your own perspective, your own opinion. um, Newsjacking is a great way to connect with the media for financial advisors that are interested in getting media coverage, which is a tremendous credibility opportunity at FICOM. We really started as a PR firm. PR continues to be core to our business. Um, We've expanded to be fully integrated because our belief is that you have to be able to pivot and shift as business needs grow and evolve. So that's why we've added in digital, social content, traditional marketing events, et cetera. But newsjacking is a great way to reach out to the media and say, hey, I read this article and here's my perspective and just begin to develop relationships. So it's just a concept that's about how you can elevate your own thought leadership and visibility by capturing the momentum of what the what's in the mindsets of um, the people out there that could be potentially lis- listening to you. 
And they can su- subscribe. Again, it's a, it's a complimentary s- subscription right on wealthmanagement.com. And again, I, I like these quick snippets of, of reading. And I think that your voice, Meg, is, is refreshing in a lot of these concepts because you do understand what an integrated philosophy and you yourself as a business owner have done what, what I've done as a business owner and other people listening here. And that is that you evolve, like you, you evolve your offering, you pivot when you need to pivot, you add core competencies and, and capabilities and you start stacking the deck. So that's great. So I want to encourage advisors to do that. What would you also say? Because there are some advisors that have yet to work with a marketing firm or a PR firm. And what would you say about who is the right type of advisor or even person in industry? So I think that when we're considering our personas, we think a lot about psychographics. So more like the attitudes and um, worldviews that people bring to their key decision-making. And I think that if you are a professional, whether it's a financial advisor or across verticals who really have an appetite to grow your business in new ways, then I think you should seek education, training, you should seek programs, you should seek agency relationships, you should seek, you know, experts and influencers like yourself, Tina, to help figure out how it works specifically for your business. And so I think if you have that hunger to sort of transform how you want to grow, and I think like very simply put, if you're someone who's sitting in your business and thinking ahead and thinking, you know what, what worked for me in the last few years is not going to be what works for me in the next few years. And I feel like I have a vulnerability or I'm exposed because I've always done what I've always done. And in order for me to get, you know, from A to B, I did it very successfully this way, but to get from B to C, it's going to be entirely different. And certainly from B to Z, it's going to look wildly different. And I think that like that type of psychographic, that attitude of, I want to do this in a new way so that I can grow in a new way so that I can build a more sustainable business. It's one of the things that's so phenomenal about marketing and PR is it helps to build sustainability, efficiency, and scalability in your business. To your earlier point about nobody wants to buy, you know, acquire a firm that's dying, that doesn't have brand recognition, that doesn't have a proper photo on their LinkedIn profile, that can't recruit advisors because they're not relevant in their current markets. Like the same sort of applies to how you should think about leveraging marketing as an enterprise value builder. Because if you have a machine that's working, a growth machine that's working in your business, you're going to inherently be more valuable. And so that's what I would say. It's that advisor or professional that's thinking, I want to do this differently. And I'm self-aware enough to know that I could use some professional support. And the good news about today's environment is there's so many types of professional support. doesn't have to be... you know, Our core business is our agency relationships, which is high value, high impact, high touch, strategy, messaging and narrative all the way through to execution. We also though have very low price point advisor education where we'll teach you to do it yourself. And there's so there's an endless universe of resources. You know, you're one of them. And so I think that the the opportunity to just learn um, if you if that's what you want, it's there. You just have to sort of raise your hand and seek it. 
Yeah, bingo. Excellent to that. I I just I'm doing the happy dance right now with that, that that whole persona of being that growth oriented advisor. And I would say that marketers, marketing leaders specifically, have very honest and transparent discussions with business owners around where are the cracks in the foundation of a business. And chances are that we've had similar discussions with other business leaders who have found out a mechanism or a way to solve it. And that's the other value of dealing with people, you know, financial professionals like us, Meg, who have been in this space, who this is the space that we occupy. We have these conversations. We There might be a strategy that another business owner has has used that might help solve that person's problem. So I feel it's very much like the conversation that an advisor has with their client that they've learned because, hey, that strategy can be replicated. It, it's going to obviously be customized for that firm and their ideal client profiles and their marketing mix and all of that. So it, it's a great starting point to solve the challenges because every single business is going to, where there's growth, there's challenge. And you and I have been through it. We're business owners ourselves. You know, I know you've been through incredible transformation in recent years. I have too. I feel like the last three years in particular have been like, not to steal Bob Iger's phrase, but like the ride of a lifetime. And there's high highs and there's low lows. And (laughs) I think what I admire so much about you and what I hope to see reflected back in a little bit of myself is just like grit and hustle and determination. And so we've been like, we are experiencing it too. So we're not just coming with these like philosophical concepts from sitting in a corner office somewhere. Like we're small business owners ourselves and we've been and are on these journeys. And so I think our ability to relate with other business owners that are in that growth orientation, it's just very like real to us because we're in it every day. Hey listeners, join me for Inside Wealth Sack, September 27th to 29th, 2021 at the Diplomat Beach Resort in Hollywood, Florida. Brought to you by wealthmanagement.com, Inside Wealth Sack is the number one event for future thinking advisors, investors, and tech providers. Seriously, you won't believe the list of speakers and the agenda. I'm kidding you not. Check it out for yourself. Easiest place is to go to Twitter at WellStackConf, C-O-N-F, where you'll get links to register, notifications to everything. I will see you there. So let's talk a little bit about advisor awards and just awards in general, because now you were named last year Investment News 40 Under 40. So congratulations. You've empowered a lot of great leaders in this industry. And I, I wanted to just kind of pull this out because you've made some other contributions to the industry. It's not just Meg being a business owner. You're also too involved in the CFP board for financial planning workforce development advisory group. I wondered if you could also too speak to some of the ways that, that I see that you're giving back to the industry. Yeah, thank you. I've been a part of the um, CF- the CFP board has a nonprofit arm called the Center for Financial Planning, and the Center for Financial Planning has these groups that have specific initiatives. And so, Mark Tiburgeon, who's the chair of the Workforce Development Advisory Group, invited me 
to be on the board two years ago. Um, and so in that way, we are helping to really figure out ways to promote the profession in areas where we can attract professionals that may not know about the benefits of, of being a financial advisor. So it's about developing the workforce. So both from colleges, you know, how can we help to make sure that this profession, the profession of financial planning is showing up as a great career opportunity, certainly across minority populations, because we know that this industry has so far to go um, as far as equal representation and tackling, you know, diversity and race issues. So the, the group really helps to the CFP Board Center for Financial Planning to get the message out. We're publishing another guide this summer. Um, we published one last summer, which is really great. It's a career path guide for employers. The one this summer is for actual potential prospective employees themselves. And so there these tremendous resources. And then in addition to that, um, FICOM, we also give our time in a pro bono capacity to the Foundation for Financial Planning, which is a separate organization. The Foundation for Financial Planning is all about the concept of bringing pro bono financial planning services to clients who would otherwise not be able to afford it or access it. So it financial advisors who work with the Foundation for Financial Planning, they donate hours every year to working with clients and offering financial planning in a pro bono way. It's such a powerful organization. The impact and mission of the organization is extensive and huge and has tremendous support from corporations inside the industry. And so, you know, those are just two examples of where I'm really proud to be a part of this community and to be an under 40-year-old sitting on these boards and, and offering these pro bono services to me, I'm really, really proud of that. You know, I think it signifies my commitment and also just like sincere passion for this space. And so it's a privilege to be able to do it. And it's also something that I'm, I'm really proud of because I feel like I've still got a long way to go. And so I feel like the impact is just beginning. Mm, what a feather in your cap. It, it marked a version recommending you and, and, and championing you two years ago. That says something about you. And it also says something about him. How, how is our friend Mark Tiversion? He's so good. I actually just did a podcast interview with him a few days ago. Yes. It was so exciting. So Ron Bolas is the host of the future of advice podcast. And Ron had the two of us on to talk about um, how sort of like recruiting the next generation of talent is really impacted by your marketing and PR efforts, which we've talked a little bit about today. So Mark is doing phenomenally well. He is retired from this, being the CEO of Purging Advisor Solutions, but he is sitting on multiple boards. He's keeping himself busy. Um, he and his wife are in Seattle and he looks amazing. He sounds amazing. And, you know, his presence is still very felt here. And it really, he's one of, he is the best mentor that I think this industry has ever seen. Um, and so I hope to see many more executives and leaders follow in his footsteps. That's so incredible that I asked that question. I swear every now and then, like that just, I, I don't know, just something made me ask that question. And then there you go. You had a podcast with him a couple of days ago. That's, that's so unbelievable. I think there are a lot of great mentors in this industry, especially a lot of male advocates who have helped to champion our careers. And I just want to put a shout out to all of you right now. We thank you so, so, so much for just helping to be our voice, be our advocate, believing in us showing us the way 
And so that this way we can pass it on to other people, bring more people into this amazing, amazing profession. It is so empowering to know how money works, how the financial system works and have access to unbelievable advisors who will just like be the shoulder to lean on, paying off your student debt, figuring out a, a, a plan for yourself and your relatives and just any problem that you're dealing with personally and professional advisors are there for you, especially CFP certified financial planners. Look for that designation, everybody, ladies listening, look for that designation. It means a lot. There's an incredible rigor to getting that, to, to getting those credentials and ongoing CE requirements. So I wish I knew about that many, many years ago. Again, now there's these really cool advertisements, you know, TV yeah. commercials, yeah. right? <laughs> I think one's like where the guy's kind of dressed up as a gorilla or something and or rock rock concert. And I'm like, yes. And the profession now is reaching people on social and podcasting and video. So hallelujah to that. Yeah. Amen. And we also have to do more. We do. Like we have to maintain our commitment. We, if you're listening and you're not mentoring someone, a person of color or a woman or, you know, anyone from an underserved population or minority population, like, please do. It's, it's never too late to start. And we all, every single one of us need to be committed and need to be doing as much as we can to promote the diversity of this industry, to promote the growth of this industry. Because to your point, Tina, the work that advisors do is so critical and we all have to play a part in making sure that that impact continues to extend. I also want to talk a little bit about the resources that you just dropped casually, Meg. Um, You know, we are going to have a link in the show notes and I want to make some of those resources available. So yeah, if you just Google the CFP Board Center for Financial Planning, you'll land. It's a CFP Board website. Um, You'll land there. You can download it. It's free. You can get it right on the website. Um, The Foundation for Financial Planning has a lot of resources available if you want to get involved um, and sign up for pro bono financial advice. So yeah, just find find those websites online and, and throw your hat in the ring to get involved. Okay, cool. Okay. So like I said, everybody, we'll have those links in, in the show notes. And then um, one of the exciting times is here we are. It's spring. I'm looking outside my window and it's a beautiful day. The, the trees are now finally starting to grow back their leaves. And now as I look at my calendar, I'm now purposely looking towards the, towards the future. And it looks like Q4, there is going to be these, this, this whole deluge of, of conferences and all of that. What are you hearing from advisors, maybe even to your own, like your own behaviors? What are you hearing on the street? I'm hearing a lot of excitement and hope. You know, and and that's certainly how I feel that we're going to be able to be back. And, you know, you and I are big huggers. Like, I can't wait to give you a big hug. I think I'm hearing a lot of just hope around, like, I just want to see people. I just want to be in the same room. I want to have the opportunity to network and brainstorm and ideate and all of these things. So I'm hearing a ton of excitement. We've, of course, seen in the industry that there are some key players like Riskalyze and Orion that have already said we're definitely going to be in person. The wealthies, as you mentioned earlier, so I think that that I think that that's definitely um, 
we'll see that in late Q3, Q4 for sure. I don't know what it's going to look like. You know, I think the announcement from Schwab, the impact will continue to be primarily virtual. That didn't surprise me. They're a large organization. I'm a small business. I can make decisions differently than Schwab can. And so I think we'll continue to see that. I really liked how in Bernie Clark's notice to um, their affiliated advisors, he said that they're always going to have a virtual component of impact going forward. And I think that every conference should, should, because not everybody, specifically financial advisors, like you have to think about cost benefit analysis and the cost to register, the cost to travel, and also just the cost to be away from your business. And I think we got to this like very overhyped in my my personal opinion, there was so many conferences and it was a little bit of like, people were trying to make people feel feel like FOMO, you know, yeah. and it got a little bit like a, a cool kids club. And like, you know, I wasn't super into that. So I hope that what the outcome is, is that people recognize that like learning, networking, being with your peers is is important, if not more important than it ever was. And also you have choice and flexibility. And so maybe people will go to less conferences, but they'll access more online. Maybe conferences will consolidate. I don't really know, but I'm excited for the opportunity to be out in front of people. But I also know Tina, you know, um, I'm not planning to travel as much as I did. Like this COVID really put a lot, uh, the reflection back at myself was a little bit harsh in the beginning. I never had worked from home ever. I think that, um, I mean, if I'm being completely honest, I think that I got a lot of like my own self-worth perception of self-worth out of how hard I perceived myself to be working Mm -hmm. and like how many hours I was in the office. So it was one of those people where I'd fly home on a flight from JFK to LAX and I'd land at midnight and I'd be in the office at 8am the next day. And I've got two little kids at home. And that reflection on myself was tough. I also think that the I didn't, I I knew it, but I never had the time to slow down and feel the tremendous guilt and anxiety that all of the work travel, I was traveling 75,000, hundred thousand miles a year. I didn't like that. And so go, I, I would have never admitted that to myself at the time, but, but when I had to like force stop, hard stop, I was like, what was I doing? Why was I doing that? Like what? And so my hope for my self going forward. And by the way, we're having number three in September. No so wow, wow, wow. You look amazing, Meg. Oh my God. I'm so glad that we did this video style. Look at you. You look beautiful. Oh, wow. Oh my God. Congratulations. Thank you. So we're having another girl. So oh Keenan. Oh my yes. gosh. Oh, I cry. That's so beautiful. I can't believe that. This is so awesome. Wow. So Keenan is five. Caverly is two. We'll have three (laughs) under five. So we're definitely crazy. But, you know, I'm in a period of my life where I have so many privileges. And one of them is that I am able to make my own decisions and have the flexibility that I need and bring another life into this world while owning a business and still be able to participate in, in the professional experiences that I want to. And so for me, anyways, I, my takeaway from COVID is that I hope that I remember 
what that self-reflection looked like and felt like. And that I take those lessons forward with me and being like very intentional and I'm going to travel again. I will be out there. I I can't wait to see people. I'm such a people person, but I just want to be much more intentional um, about where I am and where I'm spending my time and who I'm spending my time with, because I have so many amazing opportunities, privileges, blessings, and joys in my life. I don't have to seek that in the ways that I was seeking that before. Mm. Oh, I think that's beautifully said. So it's really brutally honest. And I thank you for that self-reflection because it helped now clear up someone else's problem or challenge right now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we have to be real. And you had asked about um, in a different conversation about work-life balance and I don't have balance, you know, I'm an entrepreneur and a mom of young children and I I've stopped trying to chase balance. And for me, it's my philosophy on that is like very akin to my marketing philosophy, which is I am not trying to be all things to all people. Yeah. like I have to realize that. And so I, I say, you know, I think that I'm not trying to be everything. I'm not trying to be the super mom room parent because I can't give myself to that completely. And I forgive myself. I give myself that grace to just say, no, I just can't be that. I know that my children are loved. They are so full of joy. They are the most imaginative, wonderful human beings. And there is no sacrifice that I'm making because I'm working Mm. on that. And so I think that that's my, my learning is that I just, I don't try to be all things to all people. I forgive myself. I give myself a lot of grace to just be in the moment when I'm in the moment and not to second guess and not to question. And it takes, it takes work. I don't succeed at that every day, but I've become much better about like seeing it and recognizing that feeling, that shame, that guilt, that questioning for like what it is and saying, I see you. And then sort of like letting it go because it's often like a self-imposed I have to have a I have to have better balance. I have to be better here. I have to be better there. And it's like, no, you just got to be you. you yeah, just you. I think the balance part of the equation is giving balance to us, knowing what makes us tick, which which you just talked about, giving back and being a mother to your children, but still being the CEO of an incredible organization with great people. And so when it's time to give to the children, you put on that hat. When it's time to give to the business, at the same time, your priorities are exactly where they need to be. And that's the balance that we should be seeking in our lives. Do we understand and know our priorities and do our actions align with that? Because time is finite for everyone and enough with this like superhero cape. Yeah. I threw that off a long time ago. It's like, yes, we are fallible and we're constantly learning and giving to the people in our lives that, that matter. So again, what a, what a wonderful reflection and so open and honest. And I thank you for that. Yeah. Well, thank you for giving me the space. So let's talk a little bit. One of the, uh, I've made it a quest this year to double down on reading, you know, to find like every single time, if I'm in the car, it's an audio book. If I'm drinking my coffee, then I have the old, 
old school, <laughs> the old school paperback book in, in front of me. And we are, we're asking uh, business leaders for their best recommendations for 2021. So is there one book that you, that you'd recommend? So many. I appreciated the prep on this one. So hard to do one. You could bring a children's book. I could bring like a personal book, but probably the most powerful business book that I read last year that I think is very relevant even to this conversation that we had today about growth and evolution and pushing forward and reiterating and learning and like expanding reminds me of a book that I read last year, which I think is very relevant this year. So it's the the book by Aaron Meyer and Reed Hastings called No Rules Rules. Mm. It's about the culture of um, reinvention at Netflix. Mm. And it's, it's a fascinating book. It's not a book that you're going to read it and like take everything back and do everything in your business. But to me as a business owner and reading it, I was like, it really expanded my worldview on how to build culture in really interesting ways, whether you agree or disagree, like really interesting ways, and also how to consistently reinvent yourself. Um, So I think it's called No Rules Rules Netflix and the Culture of Reinvention. And I think in today's landscape for within our community, that concept of reinvention and that there are no rules, like really... I think applies to 2021. Wow, what a great way to 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 end to end the podcast. I I love it. Of of course there are a lot of advisors listening and a lot of people who are listening who want to follow your work and who want to now start to double down, triple down and even think about, hey, what's possible for them. So what's the best way for people to get in touch with you? Thank you so much. The best way would be our website is ficompartners.com. So it's F-I-C-O-M-M partners.com. And then on LinkedIn, it's linkedin.com backslash I-N backslash Megan Ficom. And those are the best two ways to connect with me. And also if you're on Apple Podcasts and look for the new school, so it's S-K-O-O-L. I'd love for you to listen in. We've got some incredible guests and that's another great way to connect with us. Great. And we'll also too, everyone, thank you so much for listening. We'll have a link in the show notes to a lot of the great resources and other uh, exciting initiatives, the podcast, the awards. This has been such a great discussion, Meg, on our, our philosophies, you know, how our philosophies now have been shaped through the pandemic. And now the need to, I love this no rules philosophy too. What a fantastic way it goes hand in hand with digital transformation. So we thank you so, so much for your time, especially you. This is like, you woke up extra early for this. I'm so, so grateful. You look amazing. Just God bless. Take care of yourself. Your family is growing. And so is FICOM. So exciting things. And we're so very blessed to have you. Thank you so, so much. Thank you, Tina. The pleasure is all mine. You're listening to In The Suite, a podcast that shares amazing stories of women in business in the financial services and the wealth management industry. Our producers are Tina Powell and Kevin Hirshhorn. Our editor-at-large is Kevin Hirshhorn. Our content writers are Dimple Roshandani, Sarah Smirker, Tina Powell. Our research technical assistants are Rachel Powell and Sarah Smirker. In The Suite podcast is sponsored by C-Suite Social Media, a high-performance marketing firm for RIAs and fintech companies in the wealth management industry. You can check us out at 
at csuitesocialmedia.com to learn more. And thank you so much for listening and subscribing. We've got listeners in 746 cities and 43 countries as of this morning. We are so, so grateful to you, especially for your five-star reviews, which help to get us found on all of the podcast networks. Because let me tell you, this podcast was inspired by you and created for you ladies. Please let us know how you enjoyed this episode with Meg Carpenter and share your thoughts on LinkedIn and Twitter, hashtag in the suite. You can connect with Meg on Twitter at Megan underscore FICOM at LinkedIn. And please visit her website, FICOM Partners, to learn more about Meg, FICOM, and the amazing New School podcast. And always, if you would like to share the name of a rock star woman in financial services, as we should interview in 2021, please send it to me at Tina at InTheSweetPodcast.com. Thank you so much for listening and subscribing to In The Sweet.